guys. Welcome to the Big Blue United Episode 4 podcast. Thanks for being with us tonight. Um, as always, you know, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to tell us anything, you know, please send us an email at bigblueunitedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook uh, at Big Blue United. And please, you know, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review if you want. You know, we, we'd really appreciate it. Um, so what's up, guys? My name's TJ. Um, I'm here with my friends, Colin and Dan, as always. Uh, guys, how's it going this week? All right. Again, it's a Monday. I just spent uh, two hours traveling three miles from New York City to New Jersey. It was it was incredible. Uh, <laughs> the Holland Tunnel never ceases to amaze. So I'm I'm feeling great. I'm I'm really excited to get this podcast going. Wow, three whole hours to get. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the Holland Tunnel too, dude. I only I only had to go to Jersey a couple of times before I <laughs> sit for a long time. Luckily, I was getting paid while I was sitting in that car, so it wasn't too big of a deal for me. But you know, <laughs> as was I. All right. Um, so, you know, I'm glad we're hitting on some breaking news today instead of missing uh, the mark kind of last week uh, with the injuries going on with the Giants with Mayo McKinney um, being out. Um, we'll, we'll touch on a second, but, uh, you know, Logan Ryan was signed today um, on, a, on a favorable deal. Um, Colin, you know some of the details on that contract, I believe? Yeah, uh, actually, Ian uh, uh, from Big Blue United, of course, actually posted just a little while ago. I'll just uh, do a little bit of a rundown. Uh, it's a $7.5 million contract that we said. Uh, the actual details, uh, with a source from knowledge of the deal, the contract pays $3.5 million signing bonus, uh, and it's significant given the financial rules of the pandemic. If the games are missed, salary will be lost. The signing bonus, however, can't be touched. Uh, his salary of $1.05 million, and he has another 500000 in per-game roster bonuses. Playing time incentives are structured uh, with 500000 for participating in 60% of the snaps, snaps uh, $750,000 for 70%, million for 80 and $1.5 million for 90%. And last year, he participated in 99% of the defensive snaps for the Titans, and he only missed three games in his career. So, of course, he comes to the Giants, and you know he's going to miss more than three. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, he's only 29 years old, and he's coming off the best season of his career. Um, 113 tackles, four and a half sacks, 18 passes defense, four picks. I mean, over 100 tackles for cornerback is bizarre, really. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's see. He's familiar with Judge. They work together in New England. I think it's, like, a great signing. I know I've been talking about this for a long time, um, that the Giants need to bring him in. I'm just really happy that his number got low enough that even Gettleman could, could jump on it. Amazing. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, so as we said before, you know, um, Mayo McKinney down last week. Um, I know how high we were all in McKinney. Um, Dan, what, what's going on with that? And, and do you think the Logan Ryan um, signing kind of solves some of the questions we have in the secondary after him going down? Yeah, I mean, that that was an absolutely massive bummer. I think if you listen to the last pod, all of us were probably most excited about McKinney and what he was going to bring to the table to the team this year just um, from an athletic standpoint and, and sort of filling a hole in what the Giants' defense generally. But I do think this Logan Ryan contract's going to be good for the team. I think that he has the versatility to sort of do a lot of the things that they wanted McKinney to do as far as playing uh, the safety position and slot corner Um and nickel and just sort of moving around and being versatile. I think he will work well with um, Julian Love, and and they'll be able to sort of move people around. and And I don't I don't know that he's going to be able to replace McKinney, but we don't know what McKinney is really. <laughs> but I think uh, it'll it'll make for a good uh, transition when McKinney comes back later in the season, and then we'll have a lot of depth because we 
badly, badly, badly need depth in the secondary. The Giants, they're in a, a bad way if anyone gets injured. Um, and we'll talk about that more as we as we go further in this pod. Yeah, I I think that uh, it's very possible, and this continues the uh, how it's been seeming that versatility is such a big deal. Logan Ryan's it. He can play safety. He can play cornerback. He wants to play safety. Uh, I think it's just going to help with the situation we have, so you can kind of throw him around in different packages. So I, I, it's great signing. We've been talking about it for a while, so awesome. Yeah, glad they finally pulled the trigger. I mean, he's going to be out 10 to t- McKinney's be out 10 to 12 weeks. Um, even when he comes back, who knows where he's going to be at. So he's a rookie. He's never played an NFL game. So having a guy like Logan Ryan on the team, I think, really elevates the secondary. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play uh, the Steelers in the, you know, soon, sooner than later. Um, cool, guys. So obviously um, the scrimmage, the blue, blue and white scrimmage was the big uh, thing this week. Um, they had like a, this really cool scoring system going on, which I think, Colin, you know, you have the breakdown of that, how Judge was doing it. Yeah, I, I thought it was just fascinating to see how they were going to be grading things. Uh, I don't know if it matches up exactly with how the result ended up being, but uh, it basically looks like this is the rundown. Uh, offense, uh, six points for a TD, three points for a field goal, one for an extra point, two for two-point conversion, and seven for uh, return uh, for TD. That was... Uh, so that's the only adjustment from a regular game on offense. So I think the defense is more interesting how they did that, you know, right? Yeah, it was 12 points uh, for a defensive TD, uh, three for a three and out, three for turnover, two for turnover on downs, uh, one for forced punt, two for two-point conversion, uh, and 12, uh, one for two uh, field goal block return, which is well, that's interesting. That's a rarity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not going to be having that, so it's like, okay, cool. I mean, you might, as well, you might as well get some it, it, it sounds to me sort of like Judge was uh, checking his fantasy team this year and saw what the scoring was in his league and decided to use it like that, which, exactly. is, which is cool because, you know, you have to have a way to quantify, you know, what was going on. Um, I don't know if it was fair because – uh, the defense outplayed the offense. If we just want to jump into talking about the offense, how they performed in the scrimmage, I think, obviously, you know, it starts with Daniel Jones. And what I was seeing from him was a lot of repeat mistakes from stuff from last year that we thought he was going to move on from. You know, he had a fumble. Um, he he was in the in the pocket too long. Um, his presence was bad. He, he wasn't the throwing the ball fast enough. When he did hit, he, he was accurate. He was poised. Um so, I mean, he had his moments there, but there was a little bit of inconsistency. Um, I know that has a lot to do with maybe the O-line not performing the, the way that a lot of people thought they might, um, you know, with some of the new additions. Um, Colin, what was your thought on, you know, the offense um, all around, you know, at least like the starters? Uh, well, I think we thought that uh, the offensive line was going to be weak, and they were, uh, especially early. However, I have to give them a little bit of credit, especially on the Gallman touchdown. They blocked pretty damn well, and it was just a, a wide-open field for them. Granted, it might have been a, de- a defensive breakdown, too, on that play, but it, it, it looked pretty good, blocked well from what I saw. Um, have to touch on Gallman. Uh, we, we've been uh, really really hating on him a little bit um but it seems like he's taking his opportunities uh at least and i think the biggest thing that judge said and the coaching staff was that he needs to be showing that he's able to do something in a game type situation uh because he wasn't stepping up in the past so it's clear that he's putting in that extra effort and it's great to see because we could always use the depth um yeah i i think that we overlooked something very important and and we talked about it, I think, in the first three podcasts was um, Daniel Jones's physique and his muscle tone, 
and that just was not popping on the screen for me. I don't know if anyone else knows this. I didn't see any biceps popping. I didn't see any quads. He looked thin and weak, and he played that way. Well, I I, I have to uh, come down hard on the, the Giants uh, videography team because I don't think they had enough... Uh, Chisel uh, vision? Zoom-ins for him. Uh, yeah, I think he had a couple of moves, a couple of uh, twists and turns, and they missed out. It, they dropped the ball. What can I say? They missed his flexing. Just as Jones did during the game, and he did 18 times last year. Right on. <laughs> um. I thought he also... Uh, I thought I thought it was also hilarious that the first pass uh, he attempted was knocked down at the line of scrimmage, just like every Eli pass happened in in, in the past four. Well, seasons, that was so. a that was a shout out. Yes, yeah, just, <laughs> just just showing it off for his mentor. He's put just it pouring out there. one out for Eli. <laughs> no, he was, yeah, he was pouring one out. He was just being like, "I'm not forgetting Eli here. Here you go, first play." And and about that that Gallman run, like that was cool. But I feel like in everyone's review of this game, no one mentioned that it was two hand touch. So yes, yes. Who knows what happened at the line of scrimmage there? I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he, he got touched a bit, but uh, uh I mean, it, it wasn't exactly two hand touch. Some <laughs> I, the quarterback, the sacks were all two hand touch, but there yeah. were some. Ta- I saw B.J. Hill uh, shoot the gap and drop oh, ball, yeah. and like he hit him. He hit him. You know. Yeah, I also saw like receivers just get like tapped on the waist. It just, just it was like a lot of talk about like let's get some real game game like experience and like let's get let's get going, let's get hitting, and then it's just like oh. That guy just got tapped on the shoulder. Well, I think they got the pig pen going, though, because there was a lot of hogs going at each other decently oh. hard in that game, I thought. Oh, so. dirty hogs. <laughs> well, um, you know, as we said before, it was two-hand touch-ish, especially for the quarterback. Um, and I think, you know, that we, we, we think the defense played better than the offense. I think that would probably be easy to tell for most people who watch this scrimmage. And that all started with Lorenzo Carter coming off the edge. Um, I've seen a lot of like varying stats on it, um, but four and a half sacks, as some people are saying. That being said, when the he, he's tapping Daniel Jones, so when the Giants play the Steelers and he has to f- finish against a giant guy like Ben Roethlisberger, you know you hope he can keep those numbers. But if he can get the pressures on, even when he doesn't finish, that's also a super big positive. So um, either way, um, I think he played great, and and that was what we're all looking for out of him. I think what everyone was looking for out of him um, when he was drafted. So, I mean, do you, do you guys feel like – what do you guys feel about Carter? What do you guys feel about the defense in general, Colin? Well, Carter, I mean, he's uh, – he showed up. I mean, I, I don't know how it – like you said, it's – it's was the offensive line bad or was he just really good or a combination of both? I think he – I think he's taking a step up from last year. I think he realized that he missed out on a lot of opportunities because maybe he didn't work on the kind of technique that he – didn't know to work on then, or maybe he was just too young to realize and have the maturity to actually put in that extra work. Um, the secondary, I mean, Darnay Holmes, he looked pretty good. He had a couple of passes defended. I kind of like that from what I saw from him. I, Grant Haley even showed up a little bit. So down lineman, uh, I mean, it was it was the Carter show. You, you had Leonard Williams get a, a sack there, and he was really excited about it because he doesn't know what those are like. So. it was it was it was cool it's the first scrimmage it's hard to take a lot from it but you know there were some good and bad things that i saw i think that you got to remember that uh installing any offense for at any level uh takes more time there's way more moving parts you can sort of put good athletes on the defensive side of the ball and just have them get after it and i think you know in our experience at 
again, the ultra, ultra low level of high school football in New York, you know, you, the defense would always come out in the beginning of the season and just demolish the offense, no matter how good it was. Um, yeah. This is just a, you know, you, if you, when you, you know, break it down, just getting after the ball and tackling guys and pushing people around is a lot easier than orchestrating timing and, and the things like that. Totally. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to put a lot of weight on what we saw. It's a glorified practice. Um, it's nice to see guys playing, and like it's great to see Dexter Lawrence get that first block on Daniel Jones, um, and see that my picks for players to watch out for seem to be the best players on the team. And I'm sort of a football genius. <laughs> well, I mean, when they did an interview Gettleman at like the faux halftime or whatever, oh. you know, he he was definitely. Uh, touting himself a bit but he did say you know um Zimenez is getting better Carter's getting better Dexter Lawrence is getting better he's not wrong they, they all look like they're getting better at least I mean Zimenez we didn't I don't know if we saw much of him um in this game but you know from what we saw in camp you know you might believe that to be true so I, I think there are positive things going on in this defense what, what's up Colin uh, I, I can we just say one thing? He was unlistenable at that halftime interview, and I don't want to hear him say "puppy" ever again in a conversation. <laughs> I just, I, 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 it's gross. It like it made me feel weird. I, I, I don't even want to hear it. I get the same feeling about when I look at Gettleman as I did when I looked at Will Beatty. It's just like, ugh, something's <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's just the Boston accent. I, I, I just, I. <sighs> I wouldn't trust him any farther than I can throw him, which is does he smoke zero. or something? Because he's like a raspy man. Too. I think he ah. yells at yells at people probably like his all family on the internet. Like... No, I bet you think he plays like Call of Duty for like seven hours every night and he's just yelling at little kids. <laughs> Do you think he spends spends a lot of time on Reddit having political discussions? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't I don't know anybody who does that. Uh, not me. Me neither anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's interviewing uh, for the, like the, the New Jersey uh, militia, and he's going to start to mobilize pretty soon. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, let's never speak of this again. Um, <laughs> so let me tell you about what I think about Darnay Holmes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, really, the secondary I thought was was pretty good. You know, Peppers made some plays. Bradbury looked like he was covering well. Um, yeah, like Colin said, Darnay Holmes. I saw him knock a nice um, pass in the slot which is, you know, where we put him last last uh, week when we talked about the defense. So that was cool, you know, to see him excel there where we thought, you know, he might have, like, some success. Um, and, yeah, you know, Leonard Williams actually probably had two sacks. One of them was credited to uh, Carter. Colin, just so you know. So, yes. obviously, um, he's probably going to break Strahan's record this year. We'll <laughs> see him first-team All-Pro. <laughs> I am so excited for And then we'll, we'll have a whole podcast talking about how great Dave Gettleman is. <laughs> and Dan, and it's just going to be Dan. Colin and I are taking the week off. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to work in my Boston accent and, and interview him and pretend I'm like from. It's going to be a hot selfie. Oh God, let me never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so was really the defense stepping up, or was the offense, you know, that bad? Really, um, I mean, you have two rookies on the outside, um, and Fleming, who's like a career backup. Um, I mean, this is kind of some of their first game action. Like, I, I think Andrew Thomas can step up. I, I, I think the offensive line can get better. I mean, Jones also needs to have more presence in the pocket um, and, and not take, take sacks. You know, one of the most encouraging things I saw in the scrimmage was when they had Joe, Joe Judge mic'd up, and he was talking to Daniel Jones. And, he, and people want to say he's real hard, but the way he was talking to Jones, he was very encouraging to him. Basically, it was just like, 
you know, I'm really, really happy with a lot of things that I saw. And then you just asked him, what, what wasn't I happy with? And, you know, Jones was like, the fumble, this and that, and the other thing. So I think the communication's there. Jones having a good rapport with Judge is, is a great sign for the team. Um, what are your guys, like, you know, final thoughts on, on the scrimmage and basically the co- end of training camp coming up? I thought, um, I thought Joe Judge had something I, I want to talk about. It's called PBE, which stands for Pair Body Energy. You see the shape of that guy's just nice and slender on top. Then once you hit about the belly into the thighs, it's just rotund. A lot like um, Jorge Posada or something, but like more accentuated. So I thought he really knew how to throw around that pear body and get in people's faces. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Right? It's not just me. It it took me, yeah, it it took my breath away. I was just hoping to see him run. I, I I don't understand how people that body type run. Well, he was actually – he played ball in college. He was supposedly like some sort of special teams ace, of course. What college? Where did you go to bench. college? I, I, I couldn't tell you, but I, I, I was just reading that, you know, yeah, he yeah. was at, at some point an, an athlete. That low center of gravity, man. I think it was Tech State. Tech, Tech State, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rival of uh, Big State U. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's like uh, every football like show or movie that ever existed, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe except any given Sunday, which was True. you know not oh. a good movie to see in the theater when you're when you're in a, your adolescence. By the way, and oh, I'm going to shout out to Kathy again for dropping us <laughs> off to watch that movie, <laughs> Colin and I, when we were little kids, because it wasn't good. <laughs> I mean, it was great, but we were surprised by some scenes. There were certain things in that movie that I wasn't really prepared to see. <laughs> at least not at that ah. age anyway <laughs> speaking of hogs um oh boy oh, nice. um yeah so i mean uh actually if we want to i'm gonna i'm about to talk about hogs because I, I know what i wanted to ask you guys was we saw the scrimmage we saw the logan ryan signing is there any other moves the giants should make roster wise i mean they do have a decent amount of cap room with solder um being gone um what, do you guys think there's any moves they need to make? Well, I, I have to put this with a caveat because we've we've privately discussed at least one of these players that I, I'm choosing here. And the way I'm going about this is that in the past when this team has had deficiencies in the defensive backfield, we've made up for it with a stronger pass rush. So that being said, someone like Jadavion Clowney still floating around now excites me a little bit more because A... He's going to have to take probably less money because no one's sniffing at him. And he's, 100%. he's yeah, and he's, he's standing stout and, and his, his agent's doing the same thing. And it's just like, all right, he's going to have to end up somewhere if he wants to play this year or he takes the season off. So someone like him uh, at 27 years old, I think he still is, or, or is it older now? I, I think it's something like that. Um, no, I mean, he was, I mean, he's probably still, you know, he's still in his prime regardless yeah. of, you know, how old he is. So like, Hey, if you can get more people rushing the passer, then you don't have to worry about the defensive backfield as much. And that's great. So someone like him, maybe someone like Ezekiel Anza, who's flashed in the past for the lions and he's 31, 32 and he doesn't, you know, he's not great, but I don't know, more legs, the better. Yeah, I mean, I think a pass rusher is really where they should go, and and I kind of like look to them to to maybe make a trade for like a Melgram, Melvin Ingram out in um, uh, San Diego, who's super unhappy with his contract after Bosa got like the super mega deal. And you know, he's he's thirty one. Um, I'm not going to say the Giants should give up a lot for him, but I think being disgruntled if he's going to hold out and not play, 
the Giants bring him in, sign him to a two or three year deal that's kind of front loaded. Um, he could bring a lot to the team. Um, none of his money is guaranteed this year and the contract he has now too. So maybe he'd be willing to take a little bit less if you give him more um, guaranteed uh, money. Um, the guy's been a pro baller. He's He's been a, a, you know, I won't say like a big force out there, but he's been a really solid pass rusher. Maybe like Marcus Golden 1.5 would be a good way to describe him. Um, and, and if the Giants don't have to give up too much for him, which I don't think they would if, if the Chargers envision him just not playing, um, I mean, why, why wouldn't they take a couple picks, a couple late-round picks for him? I mean, I, I just think uh, bringing in another veteran pass rusher would be positive for this team. Um, Dan, any, any moves you think they should make? Yeah, I mean, I just just looking at, at our ideas, I think it's funny that how bad the offense was, all of our ideas are all for the defense. But um, <laughs> I, think, I think we should take a look. You know, although we did sign Logan Ryan, I think we should take a look at, at Prince of Mukamara. I think when he left the Giants, oh, yeah. it was an entirely different team. Thanks to our incredible, uh, basically, team building, none of those guys that existed on the team when he was here are there anymore, so he doesn't have to worry about getting hazed. But um, hmm. he's a... <laughs> solid cornerback at this point in his career he's in his early 30s i think he's 31 um but he you know after he left the giants he went on to be a a a pretty good cornerback and pretty good defenses especially on the bears i think we get him at a really favorable contract some anywhere between 1.5 maybe 2 million um again if you want you could do the sort of one-year deal um in between him and logan ryan we figure out what we got and, and keep one uh or keep both if they play well but i think a player like that would add some depth to our depleted secondary and keep us competitive in, in you know, a division that has a lot of, especially, I guess, thinking about the Cowboys, has a lot of secondary, a lot of wide receiver talent. And otherwise, I really fear for some significant blowouts and just a leaky secondary uh, defense in general. So I think I think Prince would be, might be an easy fit if he's willing to come back to New York. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him come back. I always kind of like when they bring people back home. So if the Giants don't make any any moves, you know, I know there's a lot of position battles in camp. There may be some young guys that can step up. Um, you know, Colin, what group, position group are you thinking that maybe can step up in camp or what position battles are you looking at there? Well, I think the, 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 the craziest uh, that we're looking at from everything that's going on is, is the one that, that has all the, the injuries, and that's the defensive backfield. Um I'm kind of excited about people being forced into a situation. Darnay Holmes is, as we've mentioned before, he's the guy for me. Uh, he's got to step up. Uh, I think someone like him and Grant Haley are, are, are paramount now, and I hate that we have to depend on them. Uh, but, I mean, you even go with safety, too. Julian Love, he's clearly a safety, and he has to continue to be a safety. I don't even know if they would even consider him at cornerback anymore because of that fact. So, for me, that that's the biggest yeah, I mean, I, I like, I kind of like the O line and how it's been shuffling around. Um, I guess Spencer Pulley and Nick Gates, like Judge, makes it look a lot closer than it actually is. But I, I'm, I think we're pretty sure Gates is going to be the guy at center, which takes him away from right tackle. So that's another question over there. But um, you know, they obviously have trust in Gates with the deal they gave him, um, and, I, and I think Pulley actually, you know, had a had a bit of an injury in camp. So I think he's pretty much solidified as center, and and I was happy about that. I know we mentioned how Sean O'Hara was saying some nice things about him during the scrimmage. So that's always a good sign when, like, someone we really liked, you know, on the offensive line for many years with Eli, you know, has positive things to say. Um, when we go to right tackle, I, you know, I guess Cam Fleming maybe getting the nod. He's, you know, more of a career backup to me. I, I'd like to see Pert start. Um, 
I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, we don't know his ceiling. We're, we can see him play. We can see what he can do. Um, he's obviously made some strides at camp. We've seen him push some people around. I, I know people said he was raw coming out, but um, uh, Colombo has seemed to do a good job with him from what we've seen at camp. And and I've been be excited to see the two rookies on the outside. I know they didn't play great in the scrimmage, but it, at least there's more upside there than, than putting Fleming there. And, I mean, they have to be better than, than Solders and Rummers were last year. Um, what are you looking at, Dan? I think I'm looking at the sort of the elephant in the room here, guys. Uh, oh yeah, it's sort of it's sort of the scariest thing you hear coming out of any training camp. But I think we might have a true quarterback controversy on our hands. <laughs> the way you know, I'm talking about Colt McCoy versus Daniel Muscles Jones. Um, the muscles weren't there, the throws weren't there. Colt McCoy looked crisp. He was moving the chains. He had that veteran know-how, and he also has probably the greatest quarterback name of all time. Um, I, Daniel Jones is just that's just like a placeholder name. A guy like Colt McCoy is is someone that really moves the needle for where, me. Where, where's um, Daniel Jones from originally? North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, yeah, because Colt McCoy is like a real. That's a real Southern boy name for sure. Oh, I mean, he's a gun, he's oh, he's, he's a, a true, Texas boy, right? He's something. a true gunslinger. <laughs> I mean, you're right though. Like, I mean, I know this is this is pretty much a joke, but like, uh, Daniel Jones is going to start me now. But the offense did play better. When Jones was not in the game, Jones Jones's led offense had a, a couple three and outs and only scored three points. And I mean, even even Cooper Rush had a, had a touchdown pass. Daniel Jones didn't have a touchdown pass. I mean, you got to remember Daniel Jones was under the tutelage of Eli, who was specialist in three and outs, just getting on and off the field real quick. Um, <laughs> so he's doing a great job of that. Yeah, and you know what, Dan? I think you mentioned this uh, in an earlier pod was that. You know, maybe maybe the offense wasn't giving the defense a chance to to play good games because they were so <laughs> gassed at the end, and that's why we're losing. So you oh, know, that's serious, if the yeah. offense is going three and out, three and out, like I want to see at least a first down on, on for Daniel Jones. You know, in every drive he's on, because otherwise we're just it, as good as the defense is, they're not going to finish in the fourth quarter, which has been such a huge problem for the Giants, I think, for so long. Without a doubt. I mean, we probably won't get that chance because Colt McCoy has taken this thing and uh, not letting go. He's holding that thing like a bucking Bronco. I, th- I heard they're putting in uh, stables in the parking lot just so he can ride his horse in. Oh, do you mean like he's, his, his fingers and his hand are getting really close to his Colt 45, ready to draw? He's got an itchy trigger finger, baby. <laughs> he, did, he did play pretty well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was reading that people were saying Colt McCoy looks fantastic. The best backup quarterback in the NFL. Probably. It's a positive. Probably. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think that's Daniel Jones' upside, too. It's just like this, this solid uh, backup quarterback. So it's a, it's a true <laughs> QB controversy. It's going to be kind of a bummer this year since there won't really be any fans. And, and I know Colin has had season tickets in his family. How many years at this point? Uh... The years I can't count because I'm bad at math, but it's been since 1934. All right, so you know, a couple years. Here, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, so, something like that. It's pretty absurd. So we, what we were talking about, you know, being that there's not going to be fans this year, um, you know, we were just talking about some one of our favorite kind of moments that we, you know, had in Giant Stadium or MetLife Stadium over the years, and also some of our least favorite moments. And, and I would kind of be remiss as my most memorable moment at MetLife Stadium and Colin was with me and it was a total negative thing was we were at the game, um, the miracle at the Meadowlands 2 where uh, the 
Eagles made that crazy comeback in the second half. Colin is rubbing his eyes right now as I, as I talk about it. Um, and Deshaun, and Matt Dodge kicked that punt to Deshaun Jackson, and they had to walk off um, a punt return. And he ran along the goal line like he was playing Madden, too, which was like the extra insult. But my, my, my favorite part about the story was that Colin and I had had a, a couple barley pops that day. So I was actually in the bathroom because I thought the Giants were have already won the game. So I went to go use the bathroom, and I heard on the speaker – that the Giants lost. And I remember coming into the bathroom and just looking at Colin's dejected face, standing like at the end, uh, you know, like where, where you go into the section. <laughs> Colin, what do, you, what do you remember about that too? Um, the, the absolute worst part about that was the fact that I did something that is so sacrilege and something I've never done before that day and I will never do again. I remember I called my dad at halftime because we were absolutely just, oh my god, I remember you doing this too. <laughs> we, we were we were demolishing, and I was just like, I can't believe this is happening right now. I have to call my dad. I called him. I was like, oh, I think we got this in the bag. This is going to be amazing. I, I can't, I've never seen them play like this live before. And of course, as soon as the sentence ended out of my mouth is when it all got set into motion for my heart to break the hardest. Oh, that was that was super rough. I mean, there's been a couple times, because um, it seems like every game I ever go to, they lose uh, for some reason. Um <sighs> I think the last game I went to was a Panthers game. I was with UConn, and they lost, of course. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's there's been some moments seeing dejected fans walking out of that stadium. But that was a day when nobody said a word. It was like it was like silence of, of tens of thousands of people. It was a funeral. Not a peep. It, it, it was unbelievable. And you know what? Like, Michael Vick, man. Just Thank you. Thank you for lifetime. saying that because that was the only saving grace I had him that year. Uh, for fantasy, and he got a bunch of points, oh, and I was just like, right okay, on. well, I know this is terrible, but, well, at least I might win this week. I don't remember if I did or not, but he helped me win the league that year. So. Single-handedly yeah. won you the, the season, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, in your guys' league, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you definitely didn't win our, uh, our league that year. Uh, oh, no, I have not win, I've not won once in our league. I get I get screwed every time, but anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we we may, we we could do some of that fantasy, but for context on there, Colin um, won the fantasy league, but then got adjusted like a half a point and lost the fantasy league, <laughs> which is super unfortunate for anybody. Um, Dan, like, what what games are you thinking about while we're having this conversation? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a while. Uh, full disclosure: I boycotted the Giants last season, so I didn't go to any games, even though I live ten minutes away. Um, but I, I miss a lot of stuff. I, I miss a lot of stuff at Old Giant Stadium. Uh, I was talking to one of our, our friends about uh, there was always a guy in the bathroom that would uh, basically, you know, lay down the law when you walked in, and he, he'd be the guy who goes like, Giants fans two shakes, Redskins fans one shake, and he'd enforce that you know at the urinals like <laughs> visiting fans had to had to no, no dilly dallying there. You know, as a Giant fan, you got to enjoy some luxuries. Um, <laughs> But, you know, all sorts of stuff. I, I, I loved at any game, no, it doesn't matter who the Giants are playing, uh, watching Eagles fans get kicked out of the stadium uh, is inevitable. You, oh. If you sit where I sit in the upper bowl, you're, you're bound to see someone getting yelled at. And you're like, well, what's going on? And then sure enough, there's an Eagles fan there in like a Brian Dawkins jersey just getting yelled at until a security guard comes and takes him away, which <laughs> is is always heartwarming. Um and yeah, and and another one I remember is uh, 
is something that comes with watching games with Colin. It's it's really a special experience. I remember watching. I th- I don't. It wasn't the last game. Of the se- it was towards the end of the season when you're another lost Giants season. Uh, the Giants were playing the Panthers. The game was definitely within reach in the beginning. And oh, then... I think that was the uh, last game in Giants Stadium. No. Yeah, I, th- I think it might have been. It was yeah. against the Panthers, and it, and it sounds like what you're describing. Oh, no, no, no. That, uh, it might have been, because it was a playoff game. No, it wasn't a playoff game. No, it wasn't that to. one? Oh, okay. I never been to a playoff game. Ah. Um, no, but it, it, it was the first time I witnessed Collins hate nap. It was around, I don't think Wait, we made it to need, the... we need a definition of the hate nap for, for, right. uh, for no, everyone. I'm, I'm getting into it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the amount of motions that runs through through Colin's body. I don't think most people understand how much is invested uh, of Colin's being in, into the giants and what happens on the field for something that he can't control. So at a certain point it goes beyond words and you can see the emotions just, just bubbling within and you can't really talk to him. He's never going to say anything. <laughs> and then it reaches this threshold. And I, I think it was, I think it was probably a blown coverage on a long Steve Smith touchdown pass in like a second quarter, like the end of the second quarter where the game just got away. And after, after that touchdown or after that, that, that lost fumble or something, Colin said, just, just says, I'm done. He looked at me and said, I'm done. I'm like, okay. And, uh, I start watching the game and, and I look back and I, I was like, Oh my God. And I look at Colin and, and he's just got his, his chin curled up on his chest and I'm talking to him and he's not responding. And, and sure enough, he, the overwhelming emotional exhaustion of that he he just turned that energy into a protest a silent protest he's he's like back in like the 1960s and peaceful protest and he just he just fell asleep despite the team that he loves despite the team that he's got his tattooed in his arm and the only way he can make a bigger statement than yelling and screaming is to to show utter disdain through non-participation it's it's really a a, an amazing thing and I, i wish people could see that um, I think we should get like I, a, I a sign to, that says this guy's sleeping. I, I do have to say I've made many strides since that day. I, I, I think I've been able to separate the emotions a little bit more. So, you know, I've matured. That's what maturing is. I think so. hate sleeping is, is a pretty mature way to handle it, to be honest. I, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I saw it when Justin Pugh got drafted. Colin promptly <laughs> fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, was, if, what, just because of his short arms? Yes. Well, no, it was because all of the prognosticators couldn't stop talking about how short his arms were. It was miraculous that he ever made it to the NFL in the first place as an offensive lineman. Who, who does he oh my now? god. Uh Cardinals? The, the Cardinals? The Cardinals, yeah. And I yeah, think he's, right, he's right. still starting. Yeah, he's still one of like the best draft picks that we've had. Imagine if yeah, he was I mean, still on the team. Yeah, we probably could have really used him on the yeah. Giants right now. Yeah. So if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, just as long as just like, you know, he he gets to, you know, be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage so because his arms are too small. I guess. <laughs> Just a two-point stance. He could do that. I, I, you know, I actually fell asleep at a game one time, too. Colin and I went to, a, I think the Giants went to Jaguars. This was many years ago. I was working at the time super yes. late. And it was a 1 o'clock game. I think I got home at like 5 in the morning. I, like, left Brooklyn, got on all the trains, did all the transit, which is, if you've ever done it from New York City, you know it's not a fun uh, ride. You have to transfer it to caucus. I've done it many times. I hate it. Um, yeah, and... Uh, and yeah, halfway through the game, it was so boring um, because both teams' offenses were so inept that I just passed out. <laughs> and I remember uh, having a couple friends 
uh, sitting sitting a couple rows down, and they took a nice photo of me and posted it on a, a social media site that I will not name. Um, and I and, and and that was that wasn't too fun. But I I think there's you know, yeah. um, I mean you know, there, there, what else is there? I, another great game I remember is um, we're talking about like you know Eagles fans getting thrown out, and I remember in 2011, Colin, you and I went to um, a Jets Giants game with a bunch of our friends. That was super fun. And um, the fans, it was funny because I would never been to a Jets-Giants game other than preseason. Um, and we drove in early, and it was a 1 o'clock game. So we did, like, the whole tailgate experience, which is always the best way to do it. Um, instead of, you know, running away, running from New York to, to get to the stadium, it's the worst. Anyway, Colin picked me up. We go with a bunch of our friends. Um, and, and I want to give a shout-out to our friend Sean, who I know is going to listen to this. Um, he has celiac disease, so he drank... Uh, like 12 beers even before we got in the stadium and, and it was just a blast <laughs> it was just a really funny day and, and and I believe the Giants did win so we did get to rub it in his face at the end of the day because he is a Jets fan you, yes. you remember that comment who else was like Kenny and uh, a couple other guys that was that was a cool day yeah it was a good one it was uh the last game of the season I believe it was Christmas yep. Eve yep. and it would in order to get into the playoffs I think we had to win that game, and that was when Victor Cruz had that 100-yard uh, reception for a touchdown, and we just screamed in Sean's face, and it was it was glorious. And, you know, I felt bad for him, but he's not that big a Jets fan, so it wasn't too bad. <laughs> That's his wanker bet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, one, I also remember from that, like, in the parking lot, there was, like, you know, the guy uh, dressed in the whole nine yards, like, Jets, like, Pope outfit. Like, uh, you know, pouring oh. pouring stuff in people's mouths. And, you know, even though people were rooting for the same team, it, it, it was like a fun time in that parking lot. People were all cool with each other, which I always love. Um, I hate when, you know, there's negativity at games. And another time I experienced that was when I went down to Baltimore with my dad to see the Giants play um, at the bank. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and, man, the Ravens fans – the Giants lost that game, but the Ravens fans were just sweethearts, you know. It's great people um, to be around. You know, um, you guys ever go to like like a hostile environment in another another stadium or anything like that? Or that that's the weirdest thing. I have yet to see the Giants. Well, besides seeing them play in London, which was pretty insane. Oh yeah, that must be up uh, in there of the, of, a, of a games you want to talk about, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I went over there uh, with with my now wife, uh, and we saw them play the Rams, and it was incredible. And it was just such a bizarre experience because all the people who were sitting around us. They didn't really know what was going on. Everybody was wearing a different jersey. Uh, there was a couple of people that were, you know, had Giants jerseys and, and knew what was happening. But it was mostly just like, oh, let's go there and drink a lot of beer. And it was in a rugby stadium that's like 150 years old. So it, it was sweet. And they won. So it, it, the whole experience is weird. Uh, the halftime show, everything is just a little off. And I had to keep like smacking myself and think like, I, I'm not in New Jersey right now by any means. <laughs> I'm closer to Jersey, and the real Jersey. Uh, was there like yeah, a lot that, of different teams' jerseys? Is what you were saying? Because I know when we go to games, and it's like you know, Giants are playing the Eagles, and then some guys wearing a 49ers jersey. Oh, it's like, I hate that. It's like, oh yeah, I hate that football. so much. In fact, there was a guy in front of me wearing a Cowboys jersey. Yeah, there was uh, a guy wearing a Cowboys well, jersey in front of us that I asked him. I was just like, was? no, I, I have no idea. I, but he, I asked him. I was just like, are you? Uh, are you actually a cowboy fan? He's just like, nah. I went to Texas one time. My, uh, my, I don't know. My my ex wife or something was from there, and, and we went there, and I bought the jersey, and I figured, oh, I got to go to this game. So it, it was. It's well, just cool to thinking about football overseas, you know. Yeah. In general, I like that they do uh, the games in London. It's cool. 
Yeah, it was, it was great. I would do it again. I, you know, it was a great vacation. But um, one of my favorite stateside games of all time was watching uh, them beat the Cowboys on New Year's Day in 2012 in the, uh, to get into that playoffs, to that run to the Super Bowl. And uh, it was snowy. It was rainy. I was with my dad, so it was extra special. And, you know, I think uh, Victor Cruz had one of his big uh, receptions, and it was just – it was over uh, – I mean, there it was close for a while, but then it was just over, and it was it was clear what was going on. It was just incredible. I love that. But um, yeah, the worst game of all time. I, I know this for a fact. It's uh, I think DJ, you and I were at it. It was the four. Uh, we were, I was there. I was yeah, there. The, I know what you're gonna the, say. I know what you're gonna say. The, the second the worst four, game, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> yeah, but I know what you're gonna say. Too. Well, yes. The the four interception game against the Vikings, which I think Eli had more than one, but this one was the worst, and it was uh, the Darren Sharper uh, related one, who's a bad person in its in in his own right, a very very bad person. Oh, and that was probably the first time I ever wanted to hate nap and didn't know that I had the capability yet. <laughs> you haven't developed that power yet. No, that was later on. You know, uh, Darren was... Sharper always had Eli's number. I think, I'm pretty sure, I, I would love to look this up, and I wish I did, um, how many multiple interception games Eli had against Darren Sharper, because I, I bet it was probably two or three, which is I'd... a crazy stat, I, I would think. But yeah, yeah, that game was the worst. Oh, God. And it was a, uh... and he was throwing picks to someone who is, is also just a really despicable human being at that. So Yeah, that was really the top off. Got no love for you, Darren Sharper. Not in this podcast. <laughs> by and large, uh, I mean, I, I think it's appropriate for me to delve a little bit into into the family history. I was just going to ask you, you know, when you said you brought up your dad and it was special, because I know, like, the Giants have been a lot... Uh, you know, my dad's not even a Giants fan, so I know it's been, like, a really big part of your family and Dan, too. But, you know, you guys have been going to games for so many years. So, yeah, let us know more about that, dude. Well, I mean, my, my grandfather, uh, Tim, he moved here from Ireland in 1927, and he was bopping around, got got a job here, got a job there, and um, he ended up getting a side job in 1934 with the with the club. Uh, and I had to ask my dad this earlier because I, I, I could have swore he had an actual title, but I, I was, uh, you know, led in to know that he was actually paid under the table his entire career uh, working for the Giants, which is just bizarre to me. Um, but he was basically a press credential security checker uh he made sure that everybody that was trying to cover the game coming in actually had the right paperwork to do so but that wasn't just it i i I come to realize that he actually had a little bit more uh responsibilities which is pretty awesome and pretty random um first off he he worked from uh 1934 to 1972 and um in that time uh, he, one of his biggest responsibilities, especially early on was, uh, there was a doctor, uh, I think it was in the thirties and forties. Uh, his name was Francis Sweeney and he, he was the main team doctor and that's all good and fine. He did what he had to do, but he was also a crazy man who had a temper <laughs> that was just like the wildest and to the point where the team asked my grandfather, Hey, um, you got to check Francis because he's going to try to fight referees and you have to actually reel him in every time you see, you think that he's going to run onto the field to try to fight somebody. Could you fight the referees back then? I'm sure you've changed a lot over the years. Uh, That was a long time ago. Well, old Frankie tried. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) You Um, challenge him to a a fisticuffs. Well, Uh, yeah, that was kind of it. 
court or whatever those things were called. Yeah. Well, so since he was Irish, did he actually get that like stance, like the Notre Dame mascot? Or well, I, I asked my dad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I asked my dad if he was off the boat, and he was like, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I, I, who knows? But one of the things, one of his uh, favorite stories about this guy, and this just goes to show how uh, dedicated he was to the team. Uh, they were once playing the Bears, and a player got hurt, and I think he bit into his tongue on a hit. And instead of sewing up his tongue, he just sewed his tongue to the corner of his cheek so he couldn't play the rest of the game. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I see oh, the cornerback wear like a, a cast when he broke his arm and keep playing. But... I, I don't know. Apparently, it was one of those things where the Bears didn't have a traveling doctor, so it had to be – that was the rules of the game. Whoever was the home team, the doctor was both teams' doctor, and he did that to make sure that he couldn't at least say anything to try to – conversate with anybody to try to <laughs> he basically couldn't play the rest of the game but oh my god that is a, just the worst <laughs> a, a nice little tidbit about um the chaplain the team chaplain uh his name was uh benedict dudley he actually married my grandparents in 1938 which is pretty wild in the itself. team used to have a chaplain oh I mean, they still I guess, do i guess what really oh, okay. yeah right, oh yeah anyway. it's it's like a universal thing uh, they're not like associated to anything in particular but um, to end it there, I mean, my dad was a, a, a water boy for a couple of seasons in the late 60s, and he has an actual game-worn jersey from uh, former player Joe Morrison, number 40. He was uh, he was a jack-of-all-trades guy, um, running back, flanker, what they called wide receiver then, all this stuff. And he still has it. He got it tailored. Uh, I'm sure I'll end up showing it at some point. Um, I got I got to have it on here. But, uh, yeah, it's a very important thing to me, and... Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of hard times for a lot of years of not thinking uh, them losing was uh, sticking it to me personally. So here we are. Oh, and I've seen it so many times. And, and, and that's why I'm excited for the season to start so that Colin can, you know, harbor his hate into every podcast because I can't wait to hear how the season's already over before it started. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. this is, this has been, it's been fun kind of reminiscing a little bit with you guys. And, and if, if anyone out there has any fun, you know, stories or memories about going to games that they would want to share with us, you know, please just drop us a line, BigBlueUnitedPodcast at gmail.com. You know, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, BigBlueUnited. Um, please, you know, subscribe, leave us a review. Um, we're having fun doing this podcast. We hope you guys are having fun listening to us, too. Um, you know, thanks a lot for listening. Have a good night. Later, guys. See ya.